Good morning. From the, uh, from the outside, you all look very peaceful. <laughs> so it's a question whether or not to speak. Because um, there's always the risk in some ways of, uh, as we give more ideas and possibilities of ways to practice that we then, you know, start doing too much and uh, in a way the practice can get more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, so in some ways I want to just emphasize the, the simplicity of awareness, of just kind of settling and receiving what's happening. I did get a few uh, requests to speak just a little bit about um, a style of practice that isn't uh, directed to the object so much. And but I don't want to add too much into this field just because um, kind of in a rhythm. But I'll just say a couple words about all the different, uh, that there are so many, in a way, just flavors, doorways into seeing uh, the way things are. And that's really what being aware allows us to do is that we can begin to settle the mind and in settling and beginning to recognize the value of knowing what's happening in the present moment, we can start to see the nature of this body, of this mind. What is it really? Not from the stories that we lay on top of it, but what is really here and how do we tend to get caught into places of uh, anxiety or overwhelm, contracted heart or isolated and um, maybe armoring ourselves up against the world. So we see all these different things that the mind has been doing just as habit patterns. And most of them have been created in one way or another to find a way of being happy. And yet oftentimes it goes in a direction that leaves us almost pulling back because we're trying to avoid the way things are. Kind of avoid what is unpleasant, try and hold on to the pleasant. So this practice of the middle way is a way that is seeing that we're neither uh, feeding the habits of wanting, nor are we feeding those habits of avoidance, of escape. We're cultivating a path that is increasingly opening to what is here. So as we start off with oftentimes uh, a primary object like the breath or body, and that can stay with us throughout our entire years of practice, because it also opens up to seeing uh, the rest of our experience. And then there's ways of practicing where earlier on in our practice like the way I was taught, was to give a little bit less emphasis to the object that the mind is knowing and a little bit more attention to how we're knowing. What is the attitude in the mind? How am I looking at this? Am I looking at at it as an identity, as something that I'm wanting, wanting to get rid of? So 
in order to do that, we also need to check the mind. And it is the mind that's meditating. Right? It's not the objects. The objects support our awareness, support our practice. So just um, kind of analogy like this in our experience would be, I'm holding up this baton or striker, whatever you'd call it. So this is an object that arises in our awareness. And this could be an anchor like the breath or the body, sounds, sights, emotions, states of mind. So whatever is arising, we can be aware of it, right? So this is the object. And then how am I aware of it? And this is where we see that the Buddha was pointing to. We have these tendencies that as we start to know this, we have a habit of doing something to it. We get entangled with it. Maybe we're gripping it or we're trying to push it away, pull it in. So even the question last night about the breath, it seems like, well, it'd be very easy that as you become aware of the breath, you would simply allow the breath to be as it is. And yet, even in that dynamic, we can see these subtle movements of holding, grasping, or even just the delusion of not even knowing you know, what is actually happening. So that's part of the checking. The attitude is, how am I relating to what is arising? And then in terms of what is it that we're paying attention to, at times you might, you might explore, well, what is it that's most obvious right now? Is it the breath? Is it the body? Or maybe for you, you're starting to notice the mind, just the activity of the mind, the attitudes, the moods. It may be at times even the experience of awareness becomes a little bit clearer. You notice that difference between being completely lost and actually awareness is present. Oh, this is what it feels like to be aware. And then the same thing applies to these unskillful habits of the mind. This is what it feels like to be struggling, right? to be pushing against experience. This is what it feels like to be wanting something to be happening. So this is getting to know the habits of greed and aversion right? and delusion as well that Joanna spoke about. So there's, a, there's just a range of things that we can explore. Anytime it gets... Um, kind of too much doing, we really can just return to understanding that sense of trusting in the simplicity of being aware. Just present moment, what can I know right now? As you stabilize that, and how am I knowing it? Am I knowing it with a sense of ease, a sense of balance? And then there's the next moment, and then the next moment. And like that, our whole life can unfold, right? Just new moments coming and going. I'll leave it at that. So why don't we just continue to settle in again, just to your your practice. Now that there may be a little bit of momentum, Rather than starting off uh, trying to do something, just connecting with the intention that 
probably is already there in your mind and heart to be aware. Noticing where the awareness connects. No one experience is better than another one, so if a familiar experience is your ground, allowing that to be known. might also just sense that ease of allowing awareness to know the object. The object is also whatever experience that we're knowing. Noticing, for example, how without any effort, You can hear the sound of my voice, just an effortless, receptive awareness. In the same way, we can receive the knowing of the breath, the knowing of the body and its posture, and the weight and contact and the ground and chair. And the nature of the body and the mind are always happening. Say processes unfolding. It's the nature outside, the same as the nature inside. The nature of this body is the way it is with all of its sensations vibrations. The mind has its own nature, producing different thoughts and sounds inside, different images, So whatever is being known, just appreciating this possibility of recognizing that the mind is present, the mind is aware, acknowledging, receiving. Moment to moment experience just as it is.
And remembering that the practice of meditation is to see the way things are, just to be with this nature. And in a way, that's an invitation for allowing the body to rest, to be at ease and also relaxing the mind. (coughs) One allows the mind to be aware, so maybe at times checking, is the mind aware? And what is it knowing? And as we settle into the clarity of knowing our experience, there can also be an interest in how is this being known? Is it being seen as a process that's just happening? Is the mind reaching out for it? Is there any struggle, resistance, 
and judging one way or another. Just an opportunity to learn about these habits of mind and heart. And then again, just settling into the sense of a loving, receptive awareness. Receiving sounds. Receiving the body or breath. Or listening to the activity of the mind, however it is for you.
once in a while, just checking to see how the mind is practicing. If it's helpful, remembering that it's not our job to make anything happen or to stop things from happening. We're acknowledging the nature of this moment as it is. With awareness, we can see then what arises has the nature to pass. Each moment, a new moment. Being known just as it is. We can, with awareness, see how The mind is struggling with some resistance or wanting. Just observing that, how that might lead to a sense of disease, struggle and suffering. And then what it feels like when the attitude in the mind shifts to a sense of allowing Is this okay to be with if it's a difficult experience? Is the mind balanced as it's with this? And whenever anything is too difficult to watch, it feels overwhelming, knowing that we can take care of the balance of a mind of the mind again might be by moving the body a little bit or switching to an object that feels more useful, sounds, times opening the eyes, just looking after the mind in each moment.
In a few moments, you'll hear the sound of the bell. I just want to invite you that after that third ring, just as you begin to open your eyes, if they've been closed, see if you can be aware of that moment when the eyes first open and you notice that seeing is happening. Just being with that transition from perhaps if your eyes are closed to opening. So, good morning again. It's our last full day together. Did you know that? (laughs) Probably. Um, And, you know, so as Joanna was saying, there's ways in which we can leave the retreat before we've left. Um, Being here is precious. Uh, Now we really do feel that sense of um, it's like sacred community, spiritual community. We're kind of in that rhythm of awakening together. So using the time here, uh, just keep the practice going. You know, and it may be that you begin to notice the mind uh, considering more the concepts about what's coming, end of day, or tomorrow. And that's part of the practice, just how much the mind tends to, at transition places, begin to uh, create more concepts and stories. So learning how to uh, be aware and notice that and maybe staying more embodied, recognizing how that feels in the body, returning to simplicity, but also just recognizing, if you can, oh, this is what the mind is doing. It has a lot of maybe thoughts and plans, and that doesn't need to be... Uh, doesn't need to weaken the awareness and yet want to take care with how easy it is to get seduced into just following whatever slippery slope the mind starts to create. We'll take a couple uh, minutes for any practice questions, see if anything is alive for you right now. Yeah. Uh, so I find myself sitting in this tension. Mm. 
And so like when I find my mind sort of going off these thoughts, like I'm getting all these great insights and it feels really wonderful. And then I'm also like, oh, thoughts, okay, back to the present. And so I'm wondering if you have any Yeah, I mean, uh, first, do you feel that there is some awareness as you're thinking? Or does it feel like you're... You do. Okay, because the real measure is not whether or not thoughts are present. The the measure is whether or not awareness is present. Because this is a... We are practicing and cultivating awareness, the mind. Um, So if you're able to notice that thoughts are happening... That's, that is the practice, and there's a lot to then learn about how this process of thinking may have then some effect in the body, in the emotional realm. Because when we don't pay attention, what typically happens is whatever thoughts we have, we identify with them. And then we become, if they're really good, like we're on a good station in the mind, it's like, oh, great, the music's great today. And then if it's something we don't like, it's like conditions potentially, you know, depression, like really uh, painful types of thoughts. In both cases, they're not anything more than meaning, words, images that come into the mind. They don't have, the, the story of it is just concepts, right? There's not, it is not real. So paying attention with awareness to what is a thought can give really powerful insights into how how much they tend to control our moods, our emotions, and then our views and opinions about the world. A lot of us, of course, are very attached to our views and opinions, and it's one of the things that the Buddha described as, as being a big fetter, a block in the path, is that tendency that whatever we think, right, is right, but it's the attachment. It may be, you know, conceptually right, but it's that grasping after, holding on, that you see then, it's like this, it's like a closed fist, but having views that are being known. And I think the more we understand that this mind is conditioned, so it's going to have a certain type of thoughts. I used to think, I think my views, and now it's like, no, so these are the views and ideas because of all of the conditioning that my mind has been exposed to, this is what's here. And hopefully the conditioning increasingly becomes one of skill and greater compassion, greater holding of, of, you know, of it all. So, so that's really that checking to see, am I aware or not? Not are thoughts present, right? Because over time we can actually be very present and embodied and the mind can be, it will be thinking. So the Buddha, for example, had to consider, how do I teach this subtle teaching that's not so easy to understand? This very skillful thought. So is the thought skillful? And, or is, this, is the thought unskillful? It's one of the things that we start to discern also with mindfulness. I and mean, the reason why in the beginning we say a lot about the encouragement to take some care, and we've said this enough times, which is, it's just because there's a story, we don't tend to notice the mind is thinking. We just go right into the story. Over time, we can actually have awareness that the mind is thinking and we feel this sense of awareness. And it may be that the awareness comes into the middle or at the end or at other times, it's more of like, oh, this is what the mind was thinking. Right? But increasingly, we are actually able to have some awareness with it as it's happening. So 
no need to worry. If, if awareness is there, great. Yeah, great. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Any, have you had anyone that hasn't had asked a question yet? Did you? Great. Um, I just, could you speak a little bit about um, sloth and torpor? Sloth and torpor. And how um, it impacts awareness. And there are times when it's like I'll do my daily practice or whatever, mm-hmm. and I can sit in the cushion and it's like, and I know and I'm aware of it, but right. it's more like, I don't want to pay attention today. I, I want distraction today. I want, you know, and sometimes if I go deeper into that, it's, I'm like, is this a body thing I'm experiencing? Mm-hmm. Is it a mental health thing sometimes that pops up? Like, what is this? And it's kind of depacking it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes it really interrupts um, my practice. Yeah, so question about sloth and torpor. Um, is or all, all of these phenomena, yeah, and sometimes wanting, it, did I understand you that sometimes you're wanting to not even have to watch that, you just would rather get distracted, like this right. ends up being a real um, hindrance in your ability to feel like you can actually get on with the, the real work. Um, so, sloth and torpor, anyone get visited by sloth and torpor? <laughs> anyone not get sloth and torpor this week? Five days? Sometimes, usually, you know, someone... We're going to get visited, right, with this. Um, you know, when there is, again, when there is some momentum of being aware, in a way our, our practice begins to shift a little bit rather than just trying to create an antidote to sloth and torpor. It can be then to turn right towards it and look right at it and, and see. And this is part of that, the attitude I was encouraging a little bit this morning is this is sloth and torpor. How am I relating to it? There's a point in my practice, and I think I was sharing this in one of the groups, where I was just getting very tired and, and, and sleepy. And I could feel like the mind was just struggling for it to go away. And it, it really had that feeling. It was like trying to part the fog and the clouds. And it was as soon as I could see that actually fog is a very easy thing to see, like if it's a foggy day, you just look at the fog. But trying for it to be dispelled is aversion and craving. These are the habits. Anytime we're struggling, there is something that is there to be looked at. That The Buddha said, this is it right there. And yet we think, no, I've got to actually get rid of this. But oftentimes it's just, oh, this is some aversion to sloth and torpor. What is sloth and torpor like when it's met? With awareness, heart is fully open receiving it. It is just as interesting, really, as anything else. And I remember it's like I sometimes would feel the sloth and torpor coming and going, wow, here's this energy. I'd never known that I could actually watch it as it approached, starting to come into the body, maybe making the eyelids a bit heavier. But there would always be this little bit of struggle, of like, no, 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 I shouldn't be. I'm a you know, meditator. You know, so it's like meditators don't get tired, you know, so it's like you have to. So I remember my teacher once in a while, he'd walk into the hall uh, and and I could tell which were his footsteps. And for a long time, it would be like, I'm awake. Like I hear his steps, I'm awake. And then slowly I was like, if I, my posture was a little bit down and he'd come in and like, okay, I'm going to let it happen. I'm just going to kind of almost pretend that I, was, I had fallen asleep because it was so 
egoically like challenging to think that my teacher was seeing me sleep and sitting and just letting my head like drop. Wow. It was so revealing of how attached I was to a certain, you know, a certain state. And it's just sort of having fun with exploring. Can I be with this particular pattern? Cause it's really, we really can see it's actually not the experience that we, you know, that's causing the problem. It's how we relate to this. And that is, that is really true for every phenomenon that we'll meet. But we want to learn how to work with difficulties. And so if we keep falling into some patterns of sloth and torpor, we just you know, maybe do a little bit more bigger, invigorating things, you know, walking, opening the eyes. Um, but over time, it's about learning about what is our relationship to it, what is the nature of sloth and torpor. Right? That, that is what yields the insights. Yeah, All right. Uh, torpor is um, sleepiness. <laughs> is that right? Any, um, sloth is the body and torpor is the mind. Uh, sloth is body, torpor is the mind. <laughs> just a really, well, just an, if it's a hopefully, yeah, quick one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of question about. When Joanna was mentioning some things are in our control and some things are not, and the observation that in in your life that it f- often has felt like we are like getting oppressed by the things that we can't control, and yet then by kind of trying to get rid of everything, maybe that's going to another extreme as well. Yeah. Things we can control. And then we do control them. Oh, I see. And then, so then it's okay. So then it's like oppressing our nature, if we are in fact controlling. Um, The 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 word that I like to use more is that um, everything is conditioned. So things are being conditioned all the all the time. And the conditioning process happens externally, and there's conditioning that happens internally. From the outside, when we recognize something is there, and it's not in our control, we can meet it with equanimity, we can meet it with wisdom, we can meet it with care. Internally, when we understand there's things that we can condition. So the Buddha said there is a path that we can walk. He didn't say life is out of your control. He said there is this cultivation. There is intention, right? There is wisdom. There is awareness. 
when we cultivate those, they can work with the conditions that then we meet, both internally and externally. So then we become more skillful. When am I, when am I imposing control, but it's denying? Or when is this idea that I'm controlling, but actually, no, this is the development of that which is skillful to develop awareness, to develop some wisdom. And it may be also the necessary boundaries we're needing to create in order to feel a sense of safety or something is, is oppressing us. It may be the compassionate and wise thing to say, I'm not, you know, I need my space. I need to take care of myself. And that wouldn't be, in this sense, not a sense of controlling. It's a sense of knowing what is, what's skillful, what's wise, what's compassionate. And so that's learning for yourself in a way, what is the, white, what is the wise relationship in this moment? What's the, how do I relate to this? And it's a big process because we're very much affected and impacted by our culture, which tells us all the time, this is how you should be, this is where you should be, this is what you should be. And that is a very powerful conditioning. So then to begin to hear that conditioning, and then in a way, it's like almost like we're reparenting ourselves with care, with kindness, with awareness. And then we start to feel this sense of inner strength and clarity. And then we kind of have a, a greater sense of how do I navigate this world? And it's a listening. It's a listening and being with does that, does that touch a little bit? Okay. Yeah. And if there's anything else you want to follow up on, please let us know. Yeah, great. Okay, so just a couple quick announcements um, for today. Uh, so the sharing that we're going to do in the hall, the Dhamma talk is going to be at 645. Um, I'm sure you're going to look at the schedule. So 645. 4.15 is, uh, we ask that everyone do uh, be in here for the manager's talk. Um, so that's at 4.15. There will be movement at the regular time today at 2.45. The LGBTQIA group, that the affinity sitting that would have happened at 6.45 will now meet at 8.15. At the 7.45 sitting. Okay, so that's at 7.45. Let's see. Reminder to pick up your notes. Sometimes notes hover on the board for quite a while. It means you're practicing very diligently. So, well done. And we're gonna, we are going to have still, until uh, the movement session in the afternoon we'll have the schedule be open again, and then we'll go back into the schedule uh, starting from the movement period. So I think we need a bell ringer again. Did someone ring the bell yesterday? You could just, great, do it again. Thank you. Okay. So wishing you all a mindful as-it-is day, whatever comes, and may it be nourishing.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.